0: Welcome to the Airbnb Nomads podcast, and this week we've got an amazing guest. We've got Beth Cardi on the show. Beth Cardi is a serial entrepreneur, multiple business owner, and she's gonna be sharing her whole story from how she went from losing her business to now building a six-figure property business and doing it all herself. She's going to be diving deep into mental health as well and how that affected her on her journey, so you definitely don't want to miss this one. It could help change your life too, so stick around. So here we are. I'm excited (laughs) to have you on the podcast.
1: Hi, Alex. Welcome, Beth. Thanks, Alex. We've been trying
0: to get this together for a little bit. Yeah. Glad to finally have you here. Excited to be here. I'll tell you why I'm excited, because I think that we've got very similar outlooks on life, on where we're trying to get to, especially through the whole Airbnb business model. So that's why I really wanted to have you on the show, because that's obviously what a lot of our followers and listeners are looking to do as well and learn from. So really excited to hear your story. So I guess an easy place to start. There's a lot to talk about, right? We're friends outside of this. I know a little bit about your background, where you've been, where you are now, how you've got here, the journey that you've traveled. And there's a lot of really cool, juicy stuff there that we're going to get into <laughs> that I think our listeners and viewers are going to find really interesting. Because it's stuff that I think a lot of people can relate to. Yeah. Because, you know, one of the bugbears of mine in this world is that people see people who are successful or on their road to success. And they think that it's all been easy and we're going to find out in this episode that it's been anything but yeah so why don't we just start with a little bit about you your background what you used to do and then we'll just kind of progress to where you are today
1: okay where do i start (laughs) um so i've been a landlord for 10 years but not actively and it's something that it was just in the sideline it actually happened by mistake i started my career in fashion So I studied uh, fashion design at uni. You are
0: looking very fashionable today. Thank you, I try. (laughs) Always rocking the coat on the shoulders. Love it. Um,
1: And I moved to London to do fashion, so that's what I was working towards, being a fashion designer. Um, Got to London, realised that it just wasn't for me. I guess at university they wrap you up in cotton wool and they don't prepare you for the real world. So when I got there, it just wasn't, it was cutthroat and it was hard and it wasn't wasn't my calling. So I was like, oh, and also I didn't really want to work in a nine to five. I just didn't feel like I was made for the office. So I then decided to change my career path and I went into catering. So I studied, I went back to college, I studied and I did a bit of work experience, worked in the bakery, getting up at 3 a.m. Wow. Yep. Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's no way that I could do that.
1: I did it for three months and then realised that, actually, this is something that, if I'm gonna be doing it for myself, I'm not gonna be getting up at 3 a.m. Um, so I ended up moving down into, like, doing the, in moving into events, so, I bought a trailer, converted it into a catering trailer, and went to markets and festivals and made cakes, made coffee and served the um, served the crowds down at the festivals and mm. markets. And so, so,
0: so, what's obvious straight away is that you pretty much had this like entrepreneurial itch quite early on. Yeah, which is which is which is interesting because. What's your opinion on, if you're not born that way, can you be a business person? Can you be entrepreneurial? Or do you think it's something that's in you, ingrained in you, that's how you're born, maybe your parents were entrepreneurs, business owners, and it's just a natural progression? Or do you think it's something that you can force? Because it seems like where you started wasn't like a natural entrepreneurial route, but then you kind of quickly realised that wasn't for you, emerge more into being a business owner. And that's kind of where you've been since then so
1: yeah i think for me my grandparents were entrepreneurs they had their own business mm. so growing up they we actually lived they had an alpine nursery so they actually lived on site whenever we went to see them
0: what's an alpine nursery
1: it's a nursery selling plant, alpine plants oh. basically um and they did that very late on like in their 70s i think maybe even later than that so growing up that their business was our world so that was the norm for me mm. and my mum is also an entrepreneur she has her right. own business she does work as well but she has her own business so I feel maybe that was just ingrained in me it's in my blood but not every, it's not for everyone like my I've got two other sisters who are in a full-time nine-to-five job so we had the same upbringing but they had a different calling interesting so for me, I've just felt like I just was made for better things. I just wasn't made for the office. But it doesn't mean that you can't kind of pull out of a nine-to-five. I know plenty of people that have nine-to-fives and they feel that that was what they were meant to do and now they're business owners or they're, they're starting their business on the side while still doing their nine-to-five job. Oh. So I just think it, it depends on the personality and what, how much passion you have towards something else and wanting your own business
0: well i think we're going to find out over the next kind of 10 15 minutes how difficult being a business owner can be right so you've got your catering van you've got big dreams you're going to take over the o2 you're going to be (laughs) be the biggest seller of cakes and pies and pastries across the uk so so where did how did that start how did that look did you have Did you kind of go in on a whim? Did you sit down and have the whole business plan and the really clear vision? Did you have money behind you? Did you have a mentor? How did that work? Or did you just decide to?
1: (laughs) None of that. I had nothing. Mm. Um, I just felt like this was what I wanted to do. And I just went for it. And I'm the sort of person that if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. So I had the trailer, um, I did the events and then the progression from that was to have my own premises, my own bakery. So I did a lot of research. I mean, yes, I had a business plan because I had to have a business plan to be able to go to the landlord and say, this is what I want to right. do. So it took a couple of years and then obviously COVID hit.
0: So, um, so it was two years running the van. And doing it events, was about and... it
1: was about four years running the van, but then w- from the progression. So in between, or two years in, that's hmm. when I felt like, right, I need to get a bakery. You this is what premises. I really want. I need a premises, and it took about two years, like from the start to actually signing on the dotted line and getting the contract.
0: So before that, where was you making all the pies and <laughs> my dishes? London flat? Wow.
1: Yeah, I did hire a a catering unit over in Old Kent Road, which is where I kept my van, my trailer. Um, So I was doing the slog, baking in the small studio, going to events, you know, and setting up. And a lot of these events I did on my own because the money wasn't great and I I couldn't afford to have staff. So a lot of events I would hitch up this trailer in the middle of the night, take it to events, arrive at these venues, and it's really funny because when I turn up and I always say this, like a flock of men would always run over to me and help me unhitch it. And most of the time, actually some of the time they broke the jockey wheel trying to trying to get it off the van. And I just thought, what? how do you think I got here? Mm. Like I've hitched that up, I've traveled all this way I can unhitch it on my own and that was that used to be quite a funny like conversation I used to have amongst like the staff or you know, men running over trying to help me.
0: So so do you do you realise or understand that, that that's quite rare? Like what you was doing then and the drive and the determination and the and the and the grit that you had to get up and yeah. hitch that up and do yeah. that all by yourself. I think that already shows that you're a bit different.
1: Yeah, I guess I, when that I think just came nat-
0: it just came natural,
1: yeah, right? when I think about it, it was just like in me. Like I have a really good work ethic because my grandparents did, mm. my parents do, my sisters do, like my whole family do. So I guess that's something that comes naturally to me. So I don't think of it as being something or being the minority. I guess.
0: Yeah, it's pretty amazing because I mean I know people then and now, and I'm sure you do, I think everybody does, and they want all this stuff, right? They want the business, they want the car, they want the freedom, but if you ask them to do something like that, to get up in the, in the early hours, hitch your big trailer and, and go into a, into a huge arena and, and do that by yourself, I don't think there's many people that would do that. So I think it's a good sign or indicator of kind of what it takes in business right yeah. and, and and the determination that you need so you've got your premises which probably was pretty expensive as well in on the old Kent Road what um, was that costing you
1: no yeah, it wasn't too bad I can't remember now I mean i kind of blocked a lot of it out Yeah, <laughs> but it wasn't too bad because I couldn't afford to mm. to pay a lot it was just a little room and I put ovens in there I put units in there and we actually plumbed in um, the sink Right. we actually kind of made it itself because it was a cheaper way of doing it, I guess.
0: And, w- and was it just you in there doing all the baking?
1: It was just me. I hired one part-time staff member like right. two days a week to help me, but yeah, mainly just me.
0: Wow. Okay, so you've got your premises, you've got your van. Then what happens?
1: Well, COVID hits. So we, we kind of were going through the process of kitting out the bakery. So it was a, a shell, so I contracted a small team to come and fit it out. Um, we did a lot, I did quite a lot of the interior. So I worked with a company and, and did that with them. That actually was like what really excited me, choosing colors, tiles, right. um, seating, fabrics. And then obviously COVID hit, whilst that kind of kept me busy during COVID. And we all thought COVID was gonna be three weeks, didn't we? So. I kind of and had little a little we know. <laughs> little I had a little wobble and was like, is this really what I should be doing? But I thought, yeah, do you know what? I've come so far. I'm just gonna continue with it. So well COVID obviously lasted longer than we thought, and then in April twenty one, we opened the doors. So we we were ready to open and welcome customers in. And
0: was there a Long queue of people and a red carpet and a big press release. So. It was
1: mainly my family.
0: <laughs> I think that's normal for most open days, right? Yeah,
1: we did. We had balloons and we made quite a big deal of it. Did you do the
0: scissor thing with the...
1: We didn't, but maybe I should have done. You
0: didn't get the mare down to... No.
1: <laughs> well, we, we were on a budget. <laughs> we were on a budget um, because obviously, yeah, as you said, it was quite expensive. So we we fit it out. That, was, that cost quite a lot. We managed to get a bit of help from the landlord so he contributed or they contributed towards the fit out to help a small business and otherwise we wouldn't have been able to open without that
0: Mm. so he understood or she understood that they you know you were giving that property an uplifting value through the work he was doing
1: yeah
0: it'd be nice if all landlords recognize that but we'll get we'll get into that shortly Uh, yeah um cool so you're open what happens next (laughs) everyone's waiting to hear hear how this business exploded and, and Were you the next Greggs?
1: No. um, It's funny because as soon as the doors opened, I just assumed people would flock and they didn't. Mm. I didn't have any marketing. And somebody said to me, how much is your marketing budget? And I was like, nothing. And they were like, that is your most... business cards. (laughs) That is your most... Like, that is the most important thing in your business Mm. is to get your marketing right. So So no
0: one knew that you was there?
1: My friends and family knew Mm. and people that were going that were like walking past foot traffic foot traffic so because obviously covid was was still a thing we still couldn't eat inside so we had to offer takeaway service um it it was a slow start it was really slow and then in the september because it was on a campus so there were three universities that took occupancy of that building and in the september all the students kind of were coming back so we went from kind of maybe 50 people a day to over 200 people coming in and and that was that that was it i was like right this is it now this is this is working this is working i had to hire more staff we were overwhelmed but i just i remember being in the kitchen and making sandwiches and like looking back and thinking oh my god but looking at the staff and be like we've made it we've made was it
0: was you like out, out the door like giving a thumbs yeah, up
1: yeah it was like we're smashing it guys the government were telling um, students to work from home. So that probably lasted about two weeks, the flock of students. And then it went from nothing, having no footfall again.
0: Just went off a cliff.
1: Yeah. And, and, and that was kind of very up and down, like the students were coming back. It was just a very confusing time mm. because it's like, do we go to study? Do we work from home? Do we go into the office? Like, mm. And for us, it was detrimental. Needed. We needed the footfall. We needed that money coming through the door. Mm. We just didn't get it.
0: Because the your bills never stopped, right? Your outgoings never stopped with the, you know, with the with the amount of business that was coming in.
1: Yeah, I mean, we were lucky because we got an eighteen month rent free period. Um, again, with they with a uh, landlord extended that because they knew that we're struggling and they're really supportive. So we negotiated that, but obviously, eighteen months went went quite quickly and then we had the energy crisis so the bills were oh. were fl- were flying and,
0: and in your business in that business specifically bills were yeah my, my energy
1: you. went bill energy bills went from 500 to 1500 pound a month wow. so we were already struggling at 500 pound and not paying rent hmm. so then fast forward 12 months energy prices were soaring and then we had to start paying rent so that was, yeah. Double kick, really in, the kick in, the t- <laughs> in the nuts. In the nuts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was awful. And because we didn't have systems in place, I didn't know how to run a business mm. at that time. I just winged it. Mm. I didn't have any training. Mm. I wasn't told how to have your systems in place, how to get a mentor. So, yeah, things went downhill pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, it's, it's all too common, isn't it? Yeah. Um... You know, and we'll probably chat about it in a little bit but people with the dream of wanting the business because it's sexy to say that you're a business owner an entrepreneur whatever however you want to label it but no real idea of how to run a business um, so even if you do have money coming in which hopefully you know people will get to that point but then it's like what well, you know what do you do with it how do you distribute it how do you use it where do you put it and it sees a lot of people getting into into trouble so yeah So you've got a lot of money tied up in this business. Um, Got to put a lot of time and effort in, a lot of dreams tied up in it, no doubt. Um, And you're starting to see it all slip away. So where do we go from here?
1: So also to kind of add fuel to the fire, I was coming out of a 10 year relationship. So for me, obviously the business was going downhill and I had to leave London. I lost my home. I lost, I was losing the business and it was just a really bad time mentally. So things were slipping away quicker, I think, because of my mental yeah. capacity at that point.
0: It's, it's something that, if it's all right by you, I'd like to kind of dig into a little bit. Um, I think mentioned it on a couple of the other podcasts, like mental health is like just exploding around the world, right? People aren't talking about it enough. It's starting to get talked about a little bit more. Um, I've definitely had my experiences with it. Um, I'm aware of it. I know how quickly things can decline. um, And I think you can see it in other people as well when they become distant. All of a sudden, you're not hearing from them as much. They become a little bit withdrawn. And it can be anything, right? It can be trauma. It can be a trauma. It can be a relationship. It can be a business. It can be a family thing. Um, So, if it's all right with you, just a couple of minutes about. Like, what, how did that look? What what kind of a place was you in? How was your, how did you feel when you was alone? Were you a different person when you was around others? And then were you, because that's what I found with myself. I can be a very different person when I'm in company. But then as soon as I'm by myself and I shut the door, it's like, poof, you know, you completely just, you're honest with yourself. So how did that, how, how was that time?
1: Yeah, exactly the same. Um, I think a lot of people will be surprised to hear that, I was in such a bad place because around people i was quite a bubbly person Mm. upbeat and i would surround myself with those people because i didn't want to be on my own and as you said being on your own that was when your your mental health really really kind of goes downhill because you overthink and at that time and i'd also had to move back in with my dad so not only had i just come out of a long-term relationship was losing my business and had to move out of London I'd moved back in with my parents
0: you lost your independence overnight
1: everything mm. I suppose I lost everything at that point and you know I've got a really supportive family and I'm so lucky to be able to have I'm grateful now but at the time I was like I've gone back in time like mm. I've taken 10 steps back and a friend said to me actually that's just a stepping stone for your next project or your mm. next whatever you're going on to do next. Um, it's, quite, it's
0: hard at the time though, isn't it? When you're in the darkest place and someone says, you're going to learn from this, Beth. <laughs> yeah. You're going to take the positives one day.
1: Yeah, and I was 32 and I was like, I'm living with my dad. Like, could it get any worse? Um, but yeah, just going back on the mental health thing, I really struggled and there were times where I was thinking, and I'm sure a lot of people have been there, like, what's the point? What's the point with me being here? I've lost mm. everything, you know? And so I've got you, was, you, was at that,
0: you was at that point? You was having those those thoughts, and in that yeah, it was definitely, that dark. yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, and I I never I wouldn't say that I've ever got that far um, where I've thought about literally giving up, but I have got to a place that's been dark enough where I've completely seen how you can go from here to literally getting to that point very very quickly, and you just need a series of small steps to all happen. Simultaneously, which is exactly what happens to you, right? It all hit you all at once. Mm. Lost the business, lost the relationship, lost the property. Back in with your dad. I mean, that's enough to to take the wind out of anyone. Yeah. So did you get did you get help? Did you get like how did you deal with it? Did you get therapy? Did you exercise? What was your what was your outcome? What was your fix?
1: Um, I mean, it's all kind of a bit of a blur if, if I'm honest with you because you block that bit out. But I had my family um, financially. I was on universal credit, I had to sign on, which I'd signed on before because I knew that the business was going downhill. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't understand that either because when you see you're a business owner, people think you have shit loads of money. Yeah. You don't. Um, like, gr- like greedy landlords <laughs> with all their money,
0: you were struggling.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was kind of between my dad's and dad and my mum's place and, and my dad supports me like financially, like I'm so grateful for him. Um but no, I didn't I didn't have anything really to kind of support me. I didn't even have money to go to the gym. I, th- at that point I think I just let the ground swallow me up oh. and I was just kind of in in a really bad place. Um and as I said, I can't really remember all of it mm. because it's so cloudy. Mm. But
0: And I think I'll, I've definitely had therapy in the past uh, a few times, mostly to do with relationships and, and stuff like that, which I'm the world's worst at. But um, with therapy, if anyone is um, you know in a place where they think they might want to get some help, it's so important to find a therapist that you really click with um, because... It's a bit of a minefield out there, especially when you're trying to find someone online, because nowadays anyone can be a therapist, you know, they take a week's course and all of a sudden they're an expert. So <laughs> it's important to find someone that you really click with and, you know, get, on that first session really should be just about getting to know them, feeling comfortable with them, knowing that they get you and you get them. But when you find the right one, um, I think it's it's definitely something that, that people should use as a tool. If they're, in, if they're in a bit of a rough spot. But again, no, you just said it comes back to finances. Therapy is not cheap. Um, so, you know, sometimes it's not always possible. And then I think your, your next go-to is exercise, if you can afford the gym. But luckily <laughs> with that, you can get out, go for a run and be out in nature. I think it's amazing as well. So just a couple of things that work for me. So where did your, um, where did this interest, you said you thought about property, you know, you saw property as a way that, um, you know, might be able to help you get back into a better position financially, mentally, um, give you some stability. Where did that come from? Was that just searching for a silver bullet and it just seemed to make sense? Or
1: um, Do you know what? It was when I was in my old bedroom at my dad's and I had that old algorithm that that finds you and, mm. it, and, it, and it was like, do you want to get into property with no money? And I was like, yes, that is me. Right, right. And then from then, that's when I started my kind of, I had the property, but then realised that there was much more to, mm. to property and much more that I could do with the property that I had yep. and helping other people and landlords and make more money through property without actually owning it because obviously I didn't have any money. Right, right. I was that person that needed to get into property without any money.
0: Mm. And I think with property, it's so important to know some of the strategies, right? Because I I started buying buy-to-lets and in my head, I was just thinking, well, this is going to be a great kind of, you know, pension, retirement, bit of a, a treasure chest for me when I'm old, right? Because buy-to-let is quite a slow burn. It's not really giving you anything today, but it is going to pay you later in capital appreciation. But, you know, it wasn't doing anything for me now, and and that's why I'm glad that I got into service accommodation because that, that kind of solved that problem. Mm. So completely agree, it's it's seeing property and the different strategies and ways of making money now, also without needing a lot of money yourself to get into it. So you, you saw this ad, it found you somehow, you must have searched for something at some point, it yeah. popped up on your computer screen, um, and then you just thought, I'm going to go and do some training. And maybe see if I can move into because pro- you already had you already love interior design. You've already got a background in that, and it sounded like when you was in the bakery doing that, you kind of felt maybe getting pulled a little bit in that direction. Anyway,
1: yeah, um, I just I just knew I had to do something. Like I was at rock bottom, and it couldn't get worse for me. So I just I enrolled in a few courses and managed to raise the finance to do that, um, and just kind of put my all into it because then in the november we closed the doors i was like shit what am i gonna do like that bakery was my life Mm. i was working in the bakery seven days a week in physically in the kitchen doing brunch and and baking cakes that i was like it was a complete 180 what was i gonna do so i submerged myself into training courses and then my mum actually had, has a property. So my family have quite a few buy-to-lets. And it was a choice of hers to turn it into a holiday let.
0: Can I ask you a question? Yeah. I don't want to pull on the heartstrings too much because I know it's quite an emotional thing for you. But I'm curious to know if that physical act of like closing the doors on that shop, which you, there was a last day, there was a lot la- there was a last day when you closed the doors and locked it. Yeah. Was there something inside of you like what was that like? How did that feel?
1: Do you know what? I detached myself emotionally completely from it. So there wasn't a lot of emotion, to right. be honest. I remember having a meeting with the um, the landlord and kind of they actually threw money at me and said, This, you know, we want to give you some of my money because we want you to stay on site. We think you're a really good asset to to the the mm-hmm. campus. And I said, do you know what? I, if you were to give me all the money in the world, I said, I, I can't do it anymore. You were done. I, just, I was done and I detached myself emotionally. And because I was kind of starting my property journey, that really helped at that point. Because if I didn't have that, I think it would have been a lot more emotional. Yeah,
0: yeah you would sure. have been kind of pulling in two different directions and
1: yeah. wouldn't have a clear vision. Yeah, and I didn't really have time much time to think about it because my prop because the, the refurb at my mum's place was kind of starting and I was busy with that, I guess I didn't really have much time to think about it.
0: Mm. And by this point, again, without trying to evoke too much emotion, but is the relationship behind you now, are you starting to come through that or is that still playing a factor in, in your mind and, and, your, and your, your mental health now that you're getting into the property or are you going in with a, with a clear mind?
1: What do you mean, which
0: relationship? Your, your, your relationship with your partner, oh, 10 years.
1: Yeah, yeah so...
0: Because um, the only reason I ask is because I know that if you're in a relationship or you're coming out of a relationship and it's not working, um, it hasn't worked, or if you're just coming out of it, sometimes everything else takes a back seat and that is just so toxic and controlling and overshadows everything and it can see you miss opportunities or spend months or sometimes years procrastinating on something that makes sense. Because your, you know, you, your focus is over here.
1: Um, I mean, it, it's not easy coming out of a ten-year relationship. It's a
0: long time. Uh, right? Yeah,
1: and then they say that it takes you half the amount of time to get over that person. Oh
0: right, <laughs> I didn't know that.
1: Yes, a couple of people said that to me, and I just kind of makes sense. Wow. Okay, it's going to take me five years. Um, I'm in such a better place. I'm happier. Um, I think a lot of stuff that was going on at the time it was very toxic the industry that like he was in and that we were surrounded by the music industry Um, but as soon as I pulled myself away from that and I moved out of London I just I was thinking much clearer I was happier there was a lot that that kind of went on that what that had been removed so although I was devastated and you know it's so difficult to to have somebody in your life and then not it's like a grief you you grieve through it it's mm. a grieving process um, but i think my mindset shifted a lot when i started in property and started with having mentors and surrounding myself with the right people and removing myself from those toxic people i've just began to feel more grateful grateful for that opportunity grateful to be where i am because if i wa- if i didn't have that relationship and go through all those things i wouldn't be where i am now
0: mm. so it's 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 a little bit it's it, this term's thrown around a lot right and sometimes it can be a bit cliche or a bit cheesy but what would you say about the power of who you spend your time with right and how important it is people say you're what is it you're the you're the outcome of the or the, the the five people you spend the most time with or the some, reflection of the reflection people of the that you, yeah that yeah. you spend the most time with. But it's so true, right? When you're in a toxic place and you're around bad vibes and negative energy and, and you just see darkness and, and grey skies everywhere. And then all of a sudden you put yourself in a room with other people that are motivated, excited, you know, committed, they've got this drive, they've got this vision and it just kinda of sucks you along, right? Like a like a train you just want to jump on board and go in that direction and it just kind of brings everything back up
1: yeah and as you're saying like a lot of that toxic energy sucks sucks mm. the life out of you and I'm a completely different person now like a lot of people say like you are kind of who you were mm. prior to that relationship and you know no disrespect to the relationship but the people in my life now are the people is the reason why I'm so successful I think
0: Awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And that's inspiration for other people that are maybe in a place where you've come from, which is was shit, quite honestly. Like you really went through the ringer when you lost it all, all at the same time. So you found property and, you know, you're doing some training, you you know, you're doing some courses. Was there an obvious uh, direction of what you wanted to do with property at the beginning or was it just kind of, you know, letting the strategy find you? Because there's so many... This is where I think a lot of people struggle with property. Maybe they've got an interest in it, they think it could work for them, but the common misconceptions are, I need hundreds of thousands of pounds, right? To get started, because I've got to buy property, my credit's crap, how am I going to get started? Maybe we can dive into that a bit with you, because we've spoken about that. Um, And not knowing what to do, because, you know, especially when you're on the courses, And this is where I think some people need to be careful if they're going to get involved in property. And you start going on training courses or talking to people, you're going to start to get different opinions and different strategies of where you should go and what you should do Mm -hmm. and what's working now and what's going to work in the future. And all of a sudden, you don't do anything because a confused mind doesn't buy. doesn't do anything, really. So, yeah, did you have an idea? Did you have a bit of a direction? Because you had no money, no credit, (laughs) right? You're living with your dad. You're not feeling I'd grown. almost
1: bankrupted myself. Yeah. So, um, no, I didn't know where I was going to go. I just knew that this is what I was going to do and I was going to grab it by the horns and I was going to make a success out of it. I always knew I was going to be successful and I always thought that was going to be the bakery. But then obviously, lo and behold, it wasn't and property was meant to be my calling. Um, but I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, I just knew that I was gonna do something and get into property with no money. Um, but then serviced accommodation really appealed to me because obviously my mum had her property that she was turning into a holiday let and it was actually her that told me to go and do the uh, do a serviced accommodation course, um, which, which I did and then obviously her property then was up and running and I had the tools, the mentors and the knowledge then to run her property successfully.
0: Right. So she already had a holiday let up and running?
1: Well, we were refurbing it
0: were over a six, 6 months it. period. And yep. where was that?
1: It's in Norfolk.
0: In Norfolk. Okay. So you was on the front foot a little bit. You kind of had something that was saying, look, we've already got this over here, right? So service accommodation starts to make yeah. sense. Yeah. So you, did you kind of focus on that from the beginning or did you... Because a lot of people I speak to, they're like, well, you know, I spent a year, did a flip, and that didn't work, and then I spent a year, and I tried to do this, but I couldn't find a deal doing commercial, or whatever it is, and then I kind of found SA. But but you kind of knew from the beginning, right?
1: I think after I'd done like a few courses on, on property courses, and then I homed in on serviced accommodation, that is what, I knew that's what I was going to do, and that was what was going to make me money, yeah.
0: Right. So, you got trained up, you got the knowledge, and so you, you got stuck in with your mum. Were you doing it with her? or, yeah. or you yeah, it, That yeah. must have been fun.
1: Yes and no. <laughs>
0: was there a little bit of.
1: I mean, we worked really well as a team, but it was really stressful. I mean, she, she was. Who working. made the tea
0: during the refurbs? You had to make I tea. did. You had to make the
1: tea. <laughs> well, okay. we both did. But we had one contractor on site that was there all the time. Um, and it took us six months. It took us a lot longer than it should. But again, we wanted to save money and that's where we've learned is get the team in right. but we were doing a lot of the work so we were standing like skirting boards um door frames painting walls it was a hard slog that's that six months was really difficult and it was over winter as well so there was no heating
0: so there's a there's quite a good tip for anyone who's listening or watching and is wanting to get involved in the business when you think about that And no, I'm not, you know, I'm not putting you down or taking anything or you've done an amazing job. But you spent six months, you and your mum on your hands and knees sanding skirting boards (laughs) to save maybe five grand, eight grand, ten grand. And then now you know that you could have made that in two months, ten weeks, three months in in bookings once it's ready and live and out there. Yeah. So probably wouldn't do that. Well, also, our,
1: our contractor was on a day rate, so <clears> throat> it,
0: throat>
1: we could have had that done in half the amount of time and probably would have cost us less. But you don't know what you don't know at that yeah, time. And, exactly. and now, you know, this is why I kind of add project management to one of my skill sets, and I offer that now to, to investors.
0: Well, wow. Jack of all trades. <laughs> Things in lots of pies. Yep. So you got your first one. Which is up? It's live. Presumably, it's doing okay in beautiful Norfolk um, tourism. Yeah. Mostly, yeah. yeah. Where do you go from there? How do you how do you scale?
1: Um, well, actually, just going back to the liquidation because I know we, I didn't really cover that, but um, during this whole refurb, we I was liquidating, so I was learning how to to poten- um, potentially liquidate the company and. So, so you're
0: selling off the ovens, and you're selling off the
1: yeah. Um, there was a lot of complications with that, and you know, a liquid. You, I didn't realise you have to pay for a liquidation, so I had to raise the money. And obviously, I have my staff that I couldn't pay. I mm. paid them out of my pocket, and um, at the end of November, and then come December, because we tried to, I tried to sell it, and that actually then flopped. So I then. Just decided, right? I'm going to have to liquidate now. If you've never been through a liquidation, how do you know what that process is? So my staff, obviously waiting for their pay at the end of December, they didn't get it because I couldn't raise the funds to a pay them and b liquidate. So they couldn't start the process of trying to extract the money that they were owed through that liquidation process. And I actually thought I was going to go to prison at one point, because I think when you're mentally in that place, you think the worst case scenario. And I thought that I was committing fraud. I was going to go to mm. prison. Obviously, this wasn't happening. This was all in my mind. Um, and my liquidation, my liquidators couldn't advise me so much because I was trying to sell off assets to pay off creditors. If anyone knows how to what what liquidation looks like um but if you prefer a creditor then you you can get in big trouble and i actually paid off um sold off some of the equipment to my landlord to potentially pay off some equipment that was personally guaranteed by a member of my family and i thought i was going to go to prison for that
0: yeah and i we we you know we spoke outside of this interview a while ago about how difficult that time was because I remember you saying that your staff, the way that your staff made you feel because you couldn't pay them and they were looking at you like this nasty...
1: They took you me know, to tribunal.
0: This nasty business owner that was purposely yeah. trying to rip them off. Yeah. So they, they took you to the tribunal. One
1: of them took me to the tribunal, yeah.
0: God, how was that process? Um, this we'll, is on top of all the other, all yeah. The other issues. Yeah. Last so, thing you needed.
1: Yeah, just one thing after another. And um, again, at that moment, I was like, I'm going to prison. So yeah. not only have I committed fraud I'm going to prison because I haven't paid my staff. Um again obviously all in my mind <laughs> all in my mind um but luckily for me because I'd liquidated there was no case. So they let it go to tribunal um she won because you know I owed her the money. Mm. I did. The business owed her the money. Um, and then it just took her back into that liquidation process where she should be claiming through through the liquidation. Um, but, yeah, that was just another thing to add to, to the thing stacking up, yeah.
0: So now I would imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, that you're now looking back. You're in a much better place now. Obviously, we'll get into that. But you must have learned so much from that. Like you've been through a business, you've started a business, you've experienced... Some you know some success initially, and then it started to drop off. Probably mostly to do with COVID. Wasn't your fault. Um, and then you've experienced all the downs and all of the, all of the issues that come along with that. and Going through a liquidation, which is massive, and that can bring down families and you know serial business owners. I mean, my father went through went through that. I know the pain that that can bring. So, would you say that that has kind of gone towards creating you know, who you are today, this strong, you know, successful woman with the drive and the determination. Obviously you had that anyway, but do you think that that's made you a much stronger person now?
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's made me, allowed me to deal with things a lot better. I mean, back then I said I'd never hire staff after that horrible experience, but now at the other side of it, I'm like, I've just got to realise that not everybody is like that and that people act in certain ways because of fear. Mm. And I don't blame my staff for being scared and acting in a way that they did now because now I understand probably how to manage that emotion because I've come out the other side um, and I would deal with it a lot better. But I had to go through all of that to get to this point and to to learn from those experiences and definitely, yeah, be a better person, be a better business owner and a better person like whole all in all.
0: Mm. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so why don't you talk a little bit about what you're doing today? We've been through the checkered past and all the trials and tribulations and all the ups and downs. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about where you are now what it is you're doing day to day the multiple arms of your of your property business um, really interested to hear about your service accommodation your Airbnb business how that's going some of the challenges you've had in there some of the successes and talk a little bit about where you're trying to get to I'm, I'm quite interested to know what your vision is what your why is what's driving you where you want to get to and by when so yeah <laughs> <There's a lot laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to
1: process all that.
0: There's a lot of questions there. So answer every one of them right now. Go on.
1: Um, yeah, so I had my mum's property. That went live April this year. And that went really well. Um, that's flying. And it still is, it's one of my best performing properties.
0: I've seen the pictures. It's. E- I, I want to stay there.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank it's you. Nice. Um, I put my all into the interiors. And I really think it's important because a service accommodation is quite a saturated market in a lot of areas. So... With my design kind of background, I just think it's important to to make something stand out, make something look homely, something that somebody, when they're scrolling through Airbnb, booking.com, um, for scrolling through those platforms, that's their way, where they want to stay. Um, so whilst that was kind of going live, I then managed to secure a deal in London. So I, found well I had a friend who knew an agent and he had a block of three apartments in Wembley and he I'd been telling people everybody what I do and he his a this agent gave me a call one day and I said I've got a block of apartments in Wembley so
0: don't let that don't let that what Beth just said get lost on what you just said that telling everybody what you do is a huge part of what's got you to where you are today, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, from the beginning. Not
0: hiding, not hiding in the shadows mm. and, and feeling like an imposter, just being out there. and
1: Yeah, mm. and I was shopping for beds one day and told the shop owner that, because we went in and like bought 10 beds and he was like, what do we need 10 beds for? Mm. I said, oh, this is what I do. Um, I help landlords, we offer guaranteed rent. Um, and he was like, I've got 20 properties. Me and my business partner have 20 properties in, in Norfolk and Cambridge. And I was like,
0: Start "Hitting the oil well."
1: <laughs> the light bulb went off, and I looked as my mum was with me at the time. We looked at each other, and we just went, "What the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> um, nothing actually came of that, but it just proves that the conversations that you're having with people could bring you on to to other other things. Mm. And and we could have taken on those properties. So unfortunately, it wasn't going to work for us because it's got to be a win-win, as you know. Um, uh, but where, where was I with the...
0: So you you've gone live with the with the with the property. It's doing well, and now you just secured the three apartments yeah. in Wembley.
1: So we were handed these three apartments in Wembley. Pretty much thrown the keys. The the agent understood company lets.
0: Wow. Um, so that was for an agent.
1: That was for an agent. Um, he understood the method, the model. So I then was on search, in search for a business partner because obviously I didn't have the money to take these apartments on. So I was talking to people about what I do and I was talking to investors and just looking, just building relationships with people. And there it's was- It's a people business, right? Yeah, 100%. You buy into, they buy into you, you buy into them. Um, so I found a potential business partner and we got to know each other and I thought brilliant this guy wants to make returns on his money he doesn't he's time poor but cash rich and I thought oh brilliant I've got the knowledge I've got the time um, so let's go for it and then uh, unfortunately like things took a turn for the worst things got really toxic between us.
0: Not again,
1: (laughs) we're back here again. Yeah, we're back here again. Um, Maybe that's just the trait that I have, searching (laughs) for toxic people. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it got really toxic. And he he took my kind of the relationship in the wrong way. I'm probably not gonna go further than that. But um, then we realized that we weren't meant to work together. And luckily, we didn't sign any paperwork and we didn't go down that route of taking on those three apartments. But I was, still had those apartments. I was desperate for the money at that point. And that's another reason I think I made a mistake with that business partner is because I was desperate for the money mm. and that's a lesson that I will take away from that.
0: You ignored the other signs because you just saw the money. Yeah,
1: mm. I, tunnel vision. Um, so I realized I'm gonna have to sell this as a, I'm gonna have to package it up and sell it as a deal to to an investor. And it took quite a long time and with a little bit of help from a mentor, mentoring through me through how to package a deal, um, I managed to sell the deal to two investors. Mm. So two of the apartments went to one investor and then one apartment went to another investor and I managed to close the deal.
0: Awesome. Yeah. That's probably another sign of this, going back to the entrepreneurial thing, because a lot of people would just say, oh, it doesn't work for me, or I've lost my investor now, and you walk away. But you managed to find a way of making out of it anyway. So what kind of money did you make out of that with a sourcing fee?
1: Probably about 12 grand. Wow. Yeah, because I also added on a staging service to that oh, as well. Okay. Um. So we obviously packaged it, packaged it up, sold it for a finder's fee, and then... I added on um, staging service to one of the investors. So that, that, for me at that time, because I was still on Universal Credit, well actually no, Universal Credit cut me, they cut me off. So I went from making, well, earning 300 pounds a month through Universal mm. Credit, which is nothing, how do you, how do you support yourself on 300 pound a month, to 12 grand landing into my bank account.
0: So that was probably a massive turning point and a springboard to, yeah. to kickstart the business.
1: Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it was incredible. And th- at that point, I had one serviced accommodation running, but it wasn't really profitable at that time. And then the 12 grand selling the deal. And I actually then took on one of the apartments on a management agreement. So I still manage. Oh, so you're one just
0: making every, every angle.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because now I know how to run a business right. profitably. Um, so I manage that to this day and it, it does really well it's a really good, really good apartment.
0: So was there, cause you're not, you don't live in London, right? So how was it taking on properties that were maybe just a little bit outside of your, your area? Was that, was that okay? Has I mean, it been challenging?
1: Yeah, I have friends in London. So when I was setting it up, I was staying in London. Um, I managed to find a really good cleaning team who are also an SA management company. So they manage serviced accommodation as well. So they understand the ins and outs and they have VAs overseas. So I actually knew that if I wasn't on the ground, that I could rely on them. I mean, I had to drive back and forth a few times to to let guests in, sort boilers out. It's
0: inevitable, Um, right? It's never never going to be complete. Yeah,
1: it's not passive, (laughs) it's not passive income, but I've managed to build that team and build the relationship with them so that if something does happen, I log it in the system and their maintenance team go out, like we've just had a boiler pack in this week. I've dealt with that from afar. With with the people that I know on the ground in the area,
0: yeah, fantastic. So, at the moment, you're kind of in the learning stage. You know, um, then obviously not now. Um, so, what happens after that? You've currently got the, the the property with your mum. You've got the. Did you did you have one or all three on management, or was it just the one? No, just one. Just the one. Okay, and then and then what happens after that? Are you ca- you ca- you carrying on trying to source your own, or are you. You're going more down a management model?
1: Um, so at that point I knew that SA management was where I was gonna, that was going to yep. be my model and because of my trauma from my last business I didn't want liabilities, mm. I didn't want outgoings. Um, so my mentor told me that you're going to do SA management or advise do mm. SA management so that you have no liabilities. So I was actively looking for more deals um, and talking to landlords, talking to people. And then I was approached by a sourcing company, national, actually international um, sourcing company and they said, look, our, our team will source properties and find investors can you be our preferred management system management company in west london well wow. and i said absolutely yeah so now kind of from now from then until now i've got three properties with right. them
0: so they're they're sourcing the properties they're then bringing the invest finding the investor bring them together and then they're saying would you like it managed we've got Death in West London, and she's she's ready to go. Yeah, and it's it all comes as a pa-
1: yeah, it comes as a package. So what happens is once they've kind of got through the sourcing um, process, then we are introduced to the investor. So we stage the property, set it up, and then onboard them, and then run run it as serviced accommodation. Yeah, but also because we'd had experience with. Um, staging companies previously i then decided that i was going to set up my own staging company because we'd had such bad experience Mm -hmm. and i thought well with my background and my interior design skills i'm going to add that as a service Mm -hmm. on and start a new business another business and offer that as well
0: it's a good business to be in because it's um I mean, you know, taking on our properties being larger houses, it's um, the staging and the furnishing of it is so time-consuming and so stressful, and trying to deal with it all. So, you know, the first one that we that we secured, we used uh, a staging company, and um, yeah, you know, the the outcome of it was kind of mixed. <laughs> uh, if I'm honest, you know, it was some of the furniture was wasn't the best, and um, you know, the the, the follow-up. After sales service wasn't great either. So now we just kind of do our own stuff. Um, but I can see how doing it as a business, if you can do it right and you can do a good service and, and, you know, and kind of bring that personal touch have good communication and actually provide good furniture and good furnishings that aren't going to break within a few weeks, Yeah. that, that, that could work pretty well. So, yeah. so is that c- quite a big part of your business that you're doing now, the, the staging side of it? or is yeah. that? Yeah,
1: I mean, we're, we're now actually currently in the middle of a staging, staging someone's property that we're not managing, but we're just mm. offering that as a service. And that's the first one we've done when it's not been in a whole package because somebody in my network has seen what we're doing and said, can you stage for us? And I'm like, actually, yes, because now we're offering that as a service.
0: Mm. Amazing. It's really inspiring to... You know, to hear the story, I think for other people out there, you know, who have seen and now heard where you was, where you was not just physically but mentally as well, coming off the back of all that trauma and all that, all that that sadness of the relationship, the business, and the you know the financial, but just the, the 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 determination to keep pushing forward, right? Not to give up. You could have just rolled over and gone and got a job in a supermarket and gone, you know, I'm, I'm done with all that.
1: Starbucks. Yeah,
0: I'm done with all that. It's too much stress, too much yeah. pressure. Don't want to do it anymore. But you kept, you kept, you know, with a clear vision moving forward. And now you're here where you are. You know, you're a business owner again. You're, you're doing what you love. I know that you love it. It's very, very clear in the way that you come across. You're passionate about it. You're, you're helping other people as well with their businesses. So what is it? Where are you trying to get to? that keeps giving you that drive. You know, I think we've got quite similar um, similar ideas of where we want to get to. For me, this business, service accommodation, Airbnb, it's all about being able to systemize it and automate it. And it buys you freedom. It buys you time. It buys you the ability to travel, which is what I love. And when things are set up correctly, you can, within reason, with the right teams and technologies and platforms in place, you can run it from pretty much anywhere with the right help and support, like I said, and the right knowledge. Um, So what's your why, what's your vision, what's your dream, where are you trying to get to and what's your timeline?
1: So I am looking to scale the service accommodation business to a point where it can be completely passive for me. So I'm currently plugging into my cleaning company um, so that they can deal with everything on the ground, guest communications, um, anything to a point where, you know, there's an emergency I won't know I can look at the back end and I can see what's going on, but I don't have to deal with it. So that means I can scale service accommodation quicker and um, I think I want to get to a point where I'm still building that part of the business, but I also want to look at adding property to my portfolio, so buying property mm. with investor cash for either returns for the investors for their, and for their portfolio or to add to our portfolio as well. So not just looking at to accommodation, but going back to buy-to-lets. Obviously, I've got a buy-to-let. I know how that works. Um, commercial conversions. Um, I'm looking at the bigger picture, but I know that I need to get that service accommodation business kind of running and automated until I, before I can move on to that. Mm. But the bigger picture is, is much bigger than serviced accommodation. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why service accommodation is so cool because, you know, You can get involved with very little money, get the knowledge, get the help, get the support, and then regardless of where you are, and this is why I'm excited about it, and and I think a lot of people are excited excited by it. You know, and you're proof, right? You've come from Universal Credit to now, you know, being in this business, and not just being in the business, but you've got multiple streams of income from it. You're doing the staging, you're doing the management, you've got your own then there's potential to have offshoots of a cleaning business, a maintenance business, a linen business, right? It can just keep growing. Yeah. So I think what you're saying about getting your feet wet with serviced accommodation, and you can, if you want, grow it to a point where it can give you the life that you want, of travel, of freedom, of more money, of getting out of your job. Um, But start there, perfect it get it systemized, get the right people in place, and then if you want to keep going in property and get into the bigger stuff, because I get I get what you mean. The rent-to-service accommodation model is great for cash flow, but you're not building any legacy wealth. So the idea of generating money from this business and then taking that money and parking it in buy-to-lets, people not buy-to-lets, and I understand why, they're not going to make you rich overnight, but as far as passive goes, you're not going to get any more. I don't even know anything about what goes on with mine up in Manchester. They just took over, mm. unless the boiler blows up, and then I get a phone call. But for the most part, they're completely passive. So make your money from a property business, parking it in by Telex as an investment, or yeah, if you want to go even bigger, doing your commercial conversions and, and your other stuff. So, so what's your timeline here? Where, where, how quickly do you want to achieve all this? Obviously, you're looking to work with investors to help them invest their money. You've got the time. You've got the knowledge. Bring those things together and kind of everybody wins. So, what, what, what's the timeline on, on it, and, and you know, when are you looking to?
1: I think within the next six months, I want to be at twenty properties. I'm almost at ten. Um, I think my goal was by Christmas to have ten, and I almost did. And a couple of properties actually fell out of bed. But um, I think if I've got twenty properties, and if I'm if I've systemized it all and it's all running well, then at that point, that's when I'll kind of look to to doing the more of the deal packaging side and the buy-to-let for sure. But um just just going back to the whole like having a mentor and why it's so important for me, like for that, is because I am where I am because of my mentor and my and the knowledge that I've learnt through the trainings. And if I didn't have that, which I didn't have in my last business, I wouldn't be able to scale and listen to what they were telling me to do because I didn't know that in the past. They didn't know that that was a thing Mm. to have a mentor. Um, And it's really important to me to get to that point where I've got 20 properties that are cash-flowing me passively because I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to retire my mum. I want to be able to make sure my sister can can leave work if she wants to like she doesn't she's, she's on maternity and she's got three little ones and I guess for me when you talk about what is my why that is my family and so they can be in a, at a point where they just they can be financially free mm-hmm. and when we leave a legacy for my because I don't have any kids um, at the moment but we could be leaving a legacy to to my niece and nephews.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I think you're you're a um, an example of of not just accepting like the, I think so many people in this world they get accepted the card they get dealt, right? Mm-hmm. They leave school, they fall into a career they're not happy. You know they're not it's it's nowhere near taking them in the direction that they want to go in. But it's just where they kind of ended up, and it's all just a little bit too difficult to change it. Whereas you have said right, what do I want? very clear retire my mum help my sister right look after my family what do i need in order to achieve that i need to be financially free once you're financially free then you can go on and start helping people around you communities charities obviously family first so and now you're doing it and now now you're on the road so i think there's a lot of a lot of uh, lessons in there um, and yeah you're very inspiring woman i think in all areas but i think as well you're a good role model for 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 women in particular to show what's possible Um, and to do it alone as well to not have had to have done it with someone to have had a partner there throughout to kind of prop you up and tell you it's going to be okay and keep pushing and you're going to get there right you've just done it off your own back which is which is absolutely amazing so i think we're starting to get a pretty good picture of who Beth Cardy is. <laughs> a tough cookie that never never gets, never gets down, that keeps pushing forward, right? Um, so we're getting close to, to the end, I think, here. Um, you know, we've gone from all the challenges and all the problems to, to now you're kind of, you know, you're on your way, or more, more than on your way, you're, you're there and you you've just grown it now. So at this time, I like to ask a bit of a personal question. If you don't mind, can I ask you a personal question?
1: I don't know what it's gonna be. <laughs> no,
0: so just say yes. <laughs> yes. Just say yes. Okay. So kind of going back and it's and it's quite um, you know, it's, it's it's quite fitting to this episode. Mental health, right? Big advocate for it, big advocate about talking about it, big advocate for being vulnerable and honest and and not kind of holding things in or bottling things up and, and, and just, just being honest about where you are. So based on where you've been, based on what you've experienced, based on what we've talked about today. Now, today, this very moment, Beth Cardi, are you happy?
1: Yes, 100%. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm more happy. Tell me a little bit about that. um, I'd say I'm more happy than I have ever been in my life. Um, I think obviously having on my way to financial freedom, a lot of people say that money doesn't buy you happiness. It absolutely does. And not in a selfish way, I think, in a way where I'm able to do the things that I want to do. You know, you can do good with money. You don't have to have it all for yourself. And as I said, I want to be able to retire my mum and kind of leave a legacy. And, and my, so my sisters also, I, because I, I've got two sisters, that that can able, will be able to benefit from that. But that makes me happy. And, and being able to have that time with with my loved ones and with my friends and travelling and doing the things I want to do, yeah, of course, that makes me happy, 100%. Cool.
0: What would you say, just kind of finishing up, um, what would you say to people out there who are giving it their all, trying their best, they've got this dream, they've got a vision, and they're kind of trapped in in this universe of... Looking on social media, looking around them, pedestalising people, thinking that they're the only one who's struggling, um, and kind of beating themselves up. And you know, property in particular, as can any business, be a very, very lonely place. And I think when you're sitting at home, just you in front of your computer, kind of aimlessly trying to look for a deal, and then you're on social media, and everyone just seems to be just you know setting the world on fire and driving around in fast cars and you know, what would you say to that person who's listening to this now, who's thinking, well, you know, good for you, Beth. You know, I'm glad you got everything. You know, I'm in the shit here. You know, I've got no money. You know, my relationship's gone down the toilet. I don't know which way to turn, and everyone else seems to be doing great. You know, good for you.
1: Just keep going. Um, surround yourself with the right people. Remove yourself from those people telling you you can't do it. Those toxic people. Um, network. Go to networking events because they're free. Um, and just telling everybody what you're doing. I mean, I have a lot of people that approach me to say, I want to be doing what you're doing. Like, Can you mentor me? And I just say, well, but you have got the ability to, to do that yourself. Just get off your backside and keep going because actually, as a lot of people say, all those no's lead you to a yes and you will get your first deal and it will happen. And like myself, you know, I didn't have any money, I, I didn't have money to, for fuel, like, I was just making it work, and saving up, and making sure I could get to do certain things with that money, and then in the end, look where I've kind of come, because off the back of that, having those conversations, and having those conversations with people, like, now I'm, I've got a six-figure business within six months, it's, it happens, and I'm kind of I'm someone here has got there, but just keep going and just believe in yourself and it will happen, I think.
0: Amazing. Well, I think we know pretty much everything there is to know about you now. So thanks so much for joining us on the Airbnb Nomads podcast. And we will be back next week with another incredible guest talking all things business, life and property. Until then, we'll see you next week and we'll put all of Beth's Information, contact information, and all of that stuff in the showcase in the show notes. So they'll be able to reach out to you, maybe any investors out there that want to get involved with this wonderful lady can get in touch. Until then, we'll see you next week.